Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Tuesday. This is Seattle Now. Streeteries are one of the city's favorite pandemic byproducts. The city made street dining permanent, but added an amendment to give historic districts extra time to decide whether or not they're a good fit. Like on Ballard Avenue, where currently there's tension about whether one of Seattle's most successful stretches of streeteries gets to stay. The urbanists Ray DeBicke is here to talk about the decision in a minute. But first, let's get you caught up. COVID cases are going down, but people who test positive can still access free telehealth appointments. The State Department of Health is extending the program, which helps people who have no primary care provider when they get COVID. They can book a telehealth appointment on a computer or phone and talk to a clinician about their treatment. 360 people have been hospitalized with COVID in the last seven days statewide. Inflation is up and online sales are down, and now Amazon is taking a larger cut from retailers on its site. Seattle Times reports sellers have been paying more per transaction for the last six years, and last year that cut exceeded 50% per transaction. The rate is more than commission. It includes storage, shipping, and advertising. And you may be waking up to a dusting of snow this morning. The National Weather Service says Seattle will likely see less than an inch, so keep that sled in the closet for now. Highs are supposed to be in the 40s by midday. Things will be much more dramatic in the mountains and on the coast. There's a significant avalanche danger and high surf warnings for the beaches. Love them or not, Seattle will keep its streeteries. The pandemic fueled outdoor dining here. Now the structures, some nicer than others, will be a permanent fixture in the city. The street permitting program was going to expire in January, but thanks to new rules, business owners can apply for permits all year. The outdoor dining structures are pretty simple. Wood with some plastic sheeting to keep out wind and rain with a corrugated roof but they're really popular. Seattle Times food and drink writer Tonvin says some diners really like eating outside. And restaurants, particularly in pricey areas like Ballard, benefit from the extra tables. But what it does is it helps close the gap for a lot of restaurants. Because Ballard, in the Seattle area, real estate to open a restaurant is really expensive. And when you have a license to open a sidewalk cafe, basically you get to open a bigger restaurant, right? I mean, if I have a 20-seat cafe, corner cafe in Ballard, and I can put 10 tables out there, even 10 seats out there, I have just really improved my income. Max Genero owns Hattie's Hat on Ballard Ave. Like a lot of restaurants, outdoor seating was critical to keeping customers and employees safe during the height of COVID. Now it's an option that some Hattie's customers prefer. It's just been great for us because it's allowed us to sit people outside when they didn't feel safe inside uh, and when we really couldn't sit them inside. And now that many more people are inside, there's still the number of people who still prefer to sit outside. Street cafes were meant to be temporary, and some people think the city should have sunset the permits. Some critics don't like that parking spaces are taken up by tables, and their basic setup doesn't appeal to everyone. When you talk about sidewalk cafes, there is always controversy. A lot of people think it's an eyesore. 
because some of these are just like makeshift, like it looks like a treehouse or a clubhouse that kids used to build, like in sixth grade or something. While the city has decided to keep street dining, an amendment gives the landmark districts an extra six months to figure out what to do. Like on Ballard Avenue, where there's currently a debate about the structures and if they detract from the street's historic aesthetic. And yep, the structures stand out. But if the historic district decides they don't fit in with the character of the street, they could be gone for good. We met up with Ray DeBicke, one of the managing editors at The Urbanist on Ballard Ave. He attended the recent Ballard Avenue Landmark District Board meeting where these issues were being hashed out. I think what happened in Ballard has two parts. First of all, there's the part of Ballard having a unique set of pergolas. And a lot of that is due to the Ballard farmer's market. Um, Streeteries were allowed at the beginning of the pandemic and people were sitting and eating, but then the farmer's market uh, came in and they were still masked up and still thoroughly adhering to a lot of the rules. So there was a tension there and cooperating between the Ballard uh, Alliance and the farmer's market and the businesses all had a, uh, they came up with a new set of pergolas. The ones out here on Ballard Avenue are actually deeper. They're 12 feet deep instead of eight. And what that allowed for was uh, two rows of chairs in each of the pergolas while people were eating. So the first thing that is different is that these are unique. These are definitely unique pergolas. The second thing that's different is they're some of the few that are in a historic district. And the Ballard Avenue Landmark District guards their ability to decide on the look of the street. And so the, the streeteries themselves, the policy is permanent. The structures are temporary because the city's not selling the street. And so if SDOT has to come through and put in new conduit, the streetery's got to go no matter what. So they fall into this temporary category no matter what. But having said that, the historic district is not equipped to make temporary structures. They really like their iron. They really like their brick. And that's not exactly what a structure in the street is uh, going to get made out of for cost purposes. So we have an aesthetic problem here. Is there a way to solve this without making the structures more permanent? The, the Ballard Avenue Landmark District has been considering a series of um, one sheet, uh, kind of pre-approved aesthetics. Um, what, what I have heard at the meetings for the, the Landmark District is that there's a lot of tension over whether or not plastic should be allowed, whether or not wood should be allowed, and whether or not all of these structures should have roofs. Um, and that's a tension that um, is playing out over uh, meeting after meeting after meeting as the countdown has been on for these to be approved permanently. They have six more months than other streeteries to get this taken care of. That's correct. Most streeteries need to apply for a long-term license by the end of June. Uh, the historic district ones have until January to apply for a long-term permit. And then uh, come next July, everything needs to be in compliance. What has the dialogue been like between the restaurant owners who have street setups and the Ballard Avenue Landmark District Board? There is at least one restaurant owner, Tommy Patrick, uh, owner of the Ballard Cut. Um, he is on the uh, Ballard Avenue Landmark District Board. Um, but what I heard in that conversation was a lot of tension um, that uh, these 
businesses are, they're trying to put out how much expense they're willing to take. And part of the expense that they're fighting against is really uncertainty. Not knowing whether or not their new pergola design is going to be approved is a level of uncertainty that raises expense. Is the board going to require ornate steel or ornate cast iron corners? Are they going to require this? Or are they going to require that? And that level of uncertainty really throws a, a wrench in how businesses are trying to decide on what they're going to be doing for the next year. What kind of power does the Ballard Avenue Landmark District Board have in this scenario? Along Ballard Avenue, they have the right to uh, decide on the look of a building or a structure. Um, the, that, is, that works off of a set of guidelines that have been in place since 1976. Um, so some of the guy they don't really have pergolas and streeteries listed in them. Some of the things that are listed in there are uh, considerations for um, pay telephones and newspaper kiosks, which we also don't seem to have a lot of. Um, but they have uh, approval power over whether or not the look of a building conforms to the district and uh, whether or not that permit gets to move along to the rest of the uh, permit approval process. I'm sure they're feeling a lot of pressure, though, from businesses and the business district here. From the comments that we've received on, our, on the reporting for the urbanists, the support's 10 to 1 on keeping streeteries. Um, there are a number of building owners that have been along the street that I have a, have a loud voice talking about the aesthetics of some of this. And I don't know if that has been balanced out by the call from the restaurants wanting to keep that. When is the next meeting and what happens if the board can't come to a decision? The next meeting for the Ballard Avenue Landmark District is at the Ballard Multipurpose Center on March 2nd. Um, it's a small room, so I'm not sure a whole ton of people would be able to fit in there, but they also receive comments uh, through the city's Office of Neighborhoods. You're making me wonder, are these meetings well attended? That these decisions, right, affect a lot of people, a lot of businesses in the area. These meetings are uh, pretty small. Do they often take up issues this large? I don't believe the district takes up issues this large. Most of the things that they decide on are structures. So a, a new building coming in where the landowner knows what's coming as far as expectations for reviews and permits and things like that, um, they, they can take those up pretty well. But a concept like should Ballard Avenue become a walkable a uh, neighborhood asset with streeteries and roofed pergolas. That's a tough one for a board that's been very focused on just aesthetics for so very long. This is a big one. And this is a massive policy decision that uh, I'm, it's hard to see the way they work their way around it. All right, well, really appreciate it. Ray Dubicki is one of the managing editors at The Urbanist. Thanks so much. Thank you, Patricia. We reached out to the Ballard Avenue Landmark District Board to talk about this, but they declined to comment, citing a future vote on the subject. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now, and thanks to Matthew in Linden, our latest Seattle Now donor. Really appreciate the support, Matthew. You can donate anytime at 
KUOW.org. Today's show was produced by Vaughn Jones and Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. The show is also produced by Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecilmore, Brandy Fullwood, and Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.